From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 10th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at the compromise over the $13.8 billion state budget that House and Senate negotiators in Columbia reached this week. Yay, teamwork. We look at some bills that the House sent to the governor this week and hear from the governor himself on a bill that he is itching to sign. And we have some campaign trail news for y'all as well. Yar. The lead loves hearing from you guys. That's why we got our voicemail box set up, 803-563-7169. Looking for callers. Um, you know, anyone can call. We love hearing from you. Tell us what's going on. You're traveling. AT's about to be back from Spoleto. We're very excited. Um, but let us know what you've been up to, 803-563-7169. The six-week abortion ban bill that Governor Henry McMaster signed into law on May 25th was blocked by a state judge the following day due to a suit filed by abortion providers. Now this will go before the South Carolina Supreme Court on June 27th. Just a little heads up there. We'll be watching that. Want to lead off this whole section with that big news from this week. Now let's go to the budget. Negotiators of the $13.8 billion state budget approved separately by the House and Senate were at an impasse in the middle of the week. But a day later, the seas parted and the Washington-esque stalemate was dissolved. Thanks to a little thing called the C-word. That's right, compromise. (laughs) The moment for you to talk to your children about that word. But let's take you back to some frosty public moments that played out during the Budget Conference Committee meeting on Wednesday, where the three House and three Senate conferees were hung up over funding over a new veterinary school at Clemson. There was talk of adding things like pay raises and more to the continuing resolution, which would have kept the state funded at current levels come July 1st. But that wasn't necessary. Alas, here are some of the key exchanges between Senate Finance Committee Chairman Harvey Peeler and House Minority Leader Todd Rutherford. How is this not an impasse over a veterinary school that the Senate wants to spend $112 million on, thereabout? when we have 17 counties in South Carolina with no OBGYN. We have DJJ, which was double their capacity last week and who on the verge of getting sued again. We have people dying at the Department of Corrections. We have teachers that are leaving in droves. How is this not, at this point, an impasse over a budget where we're putting pets over people? How is this not the House being concerned about higher ed and the Senate being concerned with Mr. Ed. Because that's the impasse that I see. We, up until this point, knew where the money was, we knew how it was being spent, but have reached an impasse over a veterinary school that is putting us out of whack. Tell me how we are not putting pets over people. You're my pet House member. Yes, sir. And I respect you, but is is this is that going to kill the entire budget? Who 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 made that so important? The speaker did. 
The speaker made that important. And why? You, 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 you answer that question, Representative Rutherford. I don't. I th do you not know that? I, I don't. Why? I, th I think that. Is it? I'm sorry. I'll, I'll well, let you I'm, finish. You said you pets. I think the the animals and the poultry you're talking about is tiger and gamecock. I think that's the two that you're talking about. And why in the world this is dwarfed into that debate? is who you're pulling for on Saturdays in the fall is quite frankly ridiculous. And why does it gone to that, come to that? Well, I, I, allow me to disagree. We won that Saturday in the fall. And, um, but you all are going to the super, no, you're not going to super regionals either. That's right. Um, so I think that the fact that USC has continued to win is not really relevant in this debate. I agree. This is not about taking care of tigers and gamecocks so much as it is about not taking care of the people of this state. And the chairman mentioned continuing resolution plus to make sure that those things that we have funded as priorities can continue to be funded. But what I hear is you all objecting to that so that you all can continue to be at an impasse over a vet school. Again, Democratic Representative Todd Rutherford and Republican Senator Harvey Peeler there in Wednesday's budget hearing. Now, the compromised budget will head back to the House and Senate for approvals before heading off to the governor with plenty of time to spare ahead of the July 1st start of the 2024 fiscal year. We've detailed some of the big things in the budget in previous episodes, but to refresh your memory, there is tax relief going from 6.5% to 6.4%, we're increasing reserves. There's $18.7 million to increase law enforcement salaries, $10.8 million for correctional officers' salaries, $2.9 million for mental health counselors, and state employees will see a 5% pay raise. Teachers will also see starting salaries at $42,500, and every teacher will receive a $2,500 increase. There will be 207 new school resource officers funded, and additional money will go toward adding more mental health counselors in schools as well. There's also $100 million to freeze tuition for in-state students at public colleges and universities. And there's, of course, money for that new vet school in Clemson. Now, here's what the vibe was like on Thursday after some private conversations with House and Senate leaders. And we're starting off with Senator Peeler and then back to Representative Rutherford. The public appreciates your patience. Um, this has been a very important conference committee, one that I've enjoyed working with. We have a great team that I'm real proud of. Uh, Chairman Bannister, thank you for your leadership. This is your first uh, budget, budget conference committee, and you've helped us a lot with your wisdom and, and patience. Thank you. Uh, your conference, especially your new one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he tested me a little bit, but I think See, we... Okay. Uh, this is our second budget together, your first one last year. And as was recently stated, this is not about egos. This is not Washington, D.C. We always try and put South Carolina first, and you've always done a good job of that. Uh, we are not supposed to agree on everything, uh, but when we disagree, we come together, talk about it, and do what's best for the people of South Carolina. And I commend you and your staff for always doing that, and the conferees as well. Let's stick with the State House, where earlier this week, the House popped back into session for an hour to take up several conference committee reports on bills that are now off to the governor. 
Like we said, the House was briefly in this week and passed several big bills, including H-3503, which would increase penalties for traffickers of the deadly and pervasive synthetic opioid fentanyl. We're talking up to 25 years in prison for a first conviction of trafficking less than 14 grams. A second conviction would be a mandatory 25 years in prison, and sentences could jump to as much as 40 years if someone is convicted of trafficking 28 grams or more. There was also the Boater Safety Bill S-96, which will require folks born after July 1st, 2007, to take a boater safety boater safety course. <laughs> Keep that in there. Boater, if they want to drive a boat, including rentals. Currently, anyone younger than 16 is required to take a course, but not adults. Deal with it, Gen Z. <laughs> And one bill Governor Henry McMaster really wants to see reach his desk deals with bond reform. This has been another one of those top priorities for Republicans this session. And with rising crime rates, it's one bill that law enforcement, prosecutors, victims, and others are asking for. And since one act of divine intervention in Columbia is already too much for one week, a conference committee will meet next week to take up H. 3532. That's an hour before the Senate returns. And that bill would revoke bond for defendants charged with a violent crime or a felony involving a gun while on bond for a violent crime or gun charge. It would also require hearings before a circuit court judge, not a magistrate judge. Now, the Senate removed a five-year mandatory sentence for these offenders due to constitutional concerns. And the bill remains in conference committee. But here's the governor from this week. It does not make any difference to me. We've talked to the leadership. We've talked to various members of the House and the Senate. They can attach it to whatever they want. They can pass whichever the House bill, the Senate bill, amend either one, do whatever they want, take it to conference. However they do it, get it done before they leave. Otherwise, it's going to keep on happening. It will keep on happening. It may be tomorrow we may have something like this happen again by some career criminal who's demonstrated his or perhaps her inability to conform to the law. And the law is not asking much. It's just saying, don't kill people. Don't rob people. Don't shoot people. McMaster was joined by Department of Public Safety Director Robert Woods and Highway Patrol Lance Corporal B.A. Frazier, who was shot in the face during a traffic stop on April 16th. Law enforcement charged the man with a felon in possession of a stolen firearm, and McMaster once again called on House and Senate leaders to send him a bill in an attempt to crack down on such crimes. Some Democrats are opposed to the bill, particularly the five-year mandatory sentence for violent crime offenders. But this bill passed the House with bipartisan support by a vote of 93 to 13, and it unanimously passed the Senate 43 to 0 in April. The key difference is that mandatory sentencing, which McMaster spoke about during his press conference. It ought to include the mandatory penalty because otherwise the right message is not delivered. Zero to five years often means zero. Five-year mandatory means five years. That, that, is the, that is the better way to do it. Next up, the U.S. Supreme Court threw out a redistrict Alabama congressional map in a 5-4 to four decision saying it violated key aspects of the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Now you're like, why are we talking about Alabama? Well, I'll get there, folks. That decision is invigorating folks involved in a similar case involving the first congressional district in South Carolina that will go before the high court this fall. See, I told you we would get there. Gosh. But let's look at the Alabama decision. 
The Associated Press reports that Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh align with the court's liberals in affirming a lower court ruling that found a likely violation of the Voting Rights Act in an Alabama congressional map with one majority black seat out of seven districts in a state where more than one in four residents is black. The state now will have to draw a new map for next year's elections. The AP continues saying that the decision was keenly anticipated for its potential effect on control of the closely divided U.S. House of Representatives. Because of the ruling, new maps are likely in Alabama and Louisiana that could allow Democrat-leading black voters to elect their preferred candidates in two more congressional districts. The outcome was unexpected in that the court had allowed the challenged Alabama map to be used for the 2022 elections. And in arguments last October, the justices appeared willing to make it harder to challenge redistricting plans as racially discriminatory under the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Again, that was the Associated Press reporting. Now, you were probably thinking of a lot of similarities between the first and sixth congressional district lines that were changed by the state legislature last year and were challenged in court. South Carolina, again, has a similar map that is being challenged by the NAACP, which claims Republican lawmakers moved black voters in the first congressional district, that's home to Republican Nancy Mace, into the sixth congressional district, home to Democrat Jim Clyburn, in a bid to make the first congressional district more reliably Republican. Three federal judges, Richard Gergel, Mary Geiger-Lewis, and Toby Haytons, in January said, quote, reducing the overall black percentage in Congressional District 1 down to the 17% target was no easy task. It was effectively impossible without the gerrymandering of the African-American population of Charleston County, quote. Charleston Senator Marlon Kimson tweeted Thursday, quote, the right decision and very similar to Judge Gergel's ruling in the South Carolina's first Congressional District map. Again, that case will be argued before the U.S. Supreme Court later this fall. Now, let's check out some 2024 news. Yes, you already know that former President Donald Trump has been indicted on seven counts of mishandling classified documents, according to media reports. CNN reports that Trump admitted on tape to taking documents classified secret with him from the White House without declassifying them. Now, we're not going to get into all the national news stories about this or from this week. There are plenty of podcasts out there delving into all of that ahead of the hearing next week in Miami. The lead is a state pod, folks. We're not a D.C. pod. So I'm not going to blast you with a bunch of sound bites from former Vice President Mike Pence, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum announcing this week that they'd be jumping in the presidential race. Not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait till they come to the Palmetto State. Then you'll get your fill of their stump speeches. Don't worry. But I do wish to offer you, my dear listener, a clarification. I said in the last pod that we have eight major Republican candidates in this race by the end of the week. We actually have nine. You sure about that? I'm going to apologize again for being the Kate McAllister of Home Alone in this podcast, because I think I forgot about former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson when I was counting. Can you believe that? Can you believe I forgot about Asa like that? Jeez. So, yes, there are now nine big candidates per this podcast in the race for the Republican presidential nomination. They include, again, Trump, Haley, Asa, Vivek Ramaswamy, Senator Tim Scott, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, Burgum, and Pence. Speaking of Haley, let's look at ratings from Nikki Haley's CNN Town Hall Sunday night. According to former CNN media reporter Brian Stelter, the town hall averaged 562,000 viewers, which he said is down over 80% from the Trump town hall, which reflects her weakness in the GOP primary thus far. That was Brian Stelter talking there. Now, Pence's town hall Wednesday night brought in 632,000 viewers. So a little bit more than Haley, but of course, nothing close to Donald Trump. 
Some more 2024 news. Republican presidential candidate Senator Tim Scott's campaign said it will roll out several key endorsements on Monday. This comes after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis visited the state and had a slew of statehouse members speaking at his three events and vocally supporting him. Switching parties, Congressman Jim Clyburn's office announced $8 million in funding from the National Park Service is being awarded to five South Carolina projects as part of the Historic Preservation Fund's African-American Civil Rights Grant Program. This program funds preservation projects and efforts of sites tied to the struggle of African-Americans to gain equal rights. Clyburn's office said that Congress appropriates funding for the African-American Civil Rights Grant Program through the Historic Preservation Fund. The HPF uses revenue from federal oil and gas leases on the outer continental shelf to assist with a broad range of preservation projects and mitigate the loss of non-renewable sources by funding the preservation of other irreplaceable resources without expending tax dollars. So where's the money going? Well, $5 million, the biggest chunk of that $8 million in grants, is going toward the Booker T. Washington High School Building Rehabilitation here in Columbia. The four other projects are receiving $750,000 each, and they are the stabilization and preservation planning effort for the former Edgewood School, an equalization school in the town of 96. Phase two preservation of the all-star bowling lanes in Orangeburg, preservation and repair of the historic Trinity United Methodist Church in Orangeburg as well, and Lincoln High School Preservation in Sumter. Now look ahead to next week. The Federal Open Market Committee meets next week to determine whether they will again raise interest rates. The consensus on the street is that rates will not move up at this time. We'll also get new inflation data for May from the Consumer Price Index on Wednesday. Hmm. And we just saw last week that payrolls grew by 339,000 in May, far above the 190,000 that economists had forecast, moving the unemployment rate to 3.7% nationally. Welcome to the wind-down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. I'm glad A.T. Shire's here, as always, the pod's producer. He's oh, still in you. Charleston, but he's about to come home. Oh, thank you. Our oh, prayers are you. being oh, answered. Keep going. Keep I going. Just, Don't it's stop. Been, it's, been a long, it's been a long month. Go off, Speaking King. Speaking of, I was uh, hanging out with your wife the other day at Craft and Draft here in Columbia. You were trying to... To, to talent, you were trying to talented Mr. Ripley me. <laughs> I, <think. laughs> I was like, well, since he's been gone, um, let me just slide in here. <laughs> yeah, I was, I went there, you know, just a, a series of events that led to that. But I went Great to place, Craft and Draft, Craft and Draft, Divine Street. I keep, you know, keep putting it in there because I saw on their Instagram account, the power of social media, that they had the Westbrook mm. Brewing Rice Krispie Boy. I guess it's a lager mm-hmm. or beer. And I was like, I got to try that. It seems crazy. Log- just Loggers are beers. Deal. Let's just get that out of the way. I know, but I don't know if it was a lager, if it was like an ale or whatever. But um, a nice, a nice crispy boy with your homies is yeah. always fun. I hadn't been to Craft in a while. It got me out. I walk there because I'm like, if I'm drinking beer, I'm gonna walk the one mile. I'm gonna go do it, get some steps in. And I was like, I reached out to your wife. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you at work? <clears throat> she was at the Irma location, but she came over. And I was terrified because they said it's going fast. I was like, is there any left? She's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll save you some. I get there. She's like, we ordered 10 cases. There are plenty. <laughs> uh, so I had two. It was it was, it was was interesting. Uh, definitely worth a try, I would say. Uh, but it was just good to see your wife. And I was telling you that um, she kept, everyone kept saying, oh, like, how's your month been? Are you enjoying your month? 
And I thought they were talking about pride. I was like, yeah, thanks for thinking about me. But they were talking about you not being here for the past month. <laughs> yes. And because the number of people that would come up to me and be like, oh, my God, how's AT doing? I'm like, he's not doing well, folks. Like, you guys get this, <laughs> like, this varnished version of AT that I have to pump up more so than yes. normal. And vice versa. He's the one that has pumped me up more. But it's been a lot to get you going. And I've, I'm normally a, the energy guy. Yeah. And and this is a real role reversal here, mm -hmm. and uh, no one likes it. And you I know, know it. I know that's why I also really don't like this time of year. But I know my duty, and I do what it takes to keep this podcast running, folks. Again, thank okay. you. Uh, but okay. she was telling me about just <laughs> some of her instances of you just being like despondent as well. She even offered to go to see Fast and the Furious, and you're like, no, I'm no. Like, I'm like, oh my god, like. How do we pull him out? But I think the light of the tunnel's there. He's almost home. Our, our boy's coming home. It's crazy because all my, uh, everyone reaches out to me and they ask me, like, how's it going? What are you doing? And I only do one thing for a month straight. And it's every <laughs> single day. Yeah. And it's so monotonous that uh, it sort of shuts your brain off. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, but anyway, it, in the theme of checking in on people, Gavin, mm. you were telling me that you have a, a so people should have been worried about your health. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this was almost a retrospective pod looking back at the life of Gavin Jackson. <laughs> I had a minor health scare this week. <laughs> Apparently having blood pressure of 158 over 147 is bad and says that you're in crisis and you should seek immediate help. <laughs> these are all just these are these are just uh, lies that the the hospitals yeah. tell you. I heard. Uh, about. So I proved them wrong because even <laughs> here though, you are, even though I was in hypertensive crisis, technically I really wasn't because <laughs> um, I went to the doctor. I guess Tuesday, and you know they just just a normal checkup, and they did my blood pressure. I'm like, oh, I'm always interested to see what it is because I'm always like, kind of like a 140 over 86, which is always like pre hypertension. So, like, mm -hmm. not that I have a stress. I mean, like, I keep my stress low. I work out. I eat healthy. You know, I might drink every now and then. But, uh, you know, don't tell the doctor that. But <laughs> Yeah, but we all lie to a doctor about that. you should have seen them react when they saw this number come up. And I'm like, what's the big deal? They're like, do you, do you feel lightheaded? Do you feel sick? I'm like, no, everything's fine. They're like, you, you're not having blurry vision or having chest pains? I'm like... No, everything's cool. <laughs> Just like blown away. 158 over 147. Uh, then they send the doctor in and he's like, um, are you are you sure you're okay? I'm like, can we run this again? I might have been holding my breath because they were doing like my temperature at the same time. I don't know. You're a breath holder? I'm not a good – well, they put the little thermometer in your mouth. I'm like, oh. And then they're doing your, your arm cuff. I'm not a good <laughs> test taker, okay? Moral of the story, I'm not a good test taker. Whether <laughs> it's blood pressure, the SATs, didn't make a thousand, whatever, you know? You can still whatever. succeed. Whatever, that doesn't matter now. Who has their own podcast? <laughs> me. Who's not missing it for health reasons? Me, okay? No. I said, you can't tell me I'm dying or in crisis. I got a podcast. People depend on this, I think. I have great blood pressure, but I also do you? fundamentally do not understand the the number over a number. I have it no makes idea no what sense. it means. I have to Google it every time. Uh, why can't it just be a single number? Anyway, Gavin, hopefully the next time that we speak, yes. it will be in Colombia. And uh, thank you for all the support. Zero phone calls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're on FaceTime anyway. right now. Zero phone calls. No. 
No, I mean from the listeners, these leaders oh, out in the, the streets. Leaders. Oh, yeah, yes, of course. Zero calls. I thought you were uh, um, anyway. shading me, but yes, leaders, no, what are you doing talk, out there? I almost died this week. Day. AT has been on the verge for four weeks. And nothing- I'm in some limit. I'm in some liminal space between life and death, and uh, <laughs> zero calls, okay? Okay, so, that's uh, a... <laughs> anyway, Gavin, say goodbye. Give the outro. I'm glad you're alive. Yes. Honestly, it might have been more interesting had you been hey, in crisis. I'm just I saying, if you would have been hospitalized, it would have been a little bit cooler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll see you soon. You're coming down here, so I'll see you soon. Anyway, uh, goodbye. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for listening to the pod. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or doing like what AT just said and leaving us a voicemail at 803-563-7169. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCTV.org and South Carolina Public Radio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. They're horses. They can. They know water. They know. They they have webbed hooves. God, why are you guys having such a hard time with this? Uh, they're horses, okay? They were born underwater, okay?